This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. So it is going to be a, a, a bit of an anxiety-provoking week for many, many people. And then we'll get used to it. We've gotten used to some of these social interaction restrictions that we've had. We've gotten used to how to um, get through a grocery store in a way that doesn't put others at risk. We will get through this as well. But uh, for this week, you know, take it slow. All right, that is uh, Provincial Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry speaking yesterday about the start of Phase 2 of the Restart BC plan. Today is Day 1 of Phase 2. A lot of businesses set to open their doors again today. Barbershops, hair salons, they can legally open today. Pubs and restaurants can open. you got to have a plan, though. You have to be able to demonstrate to the public that you're going to take care of, of their health and their safety and, of course, the safety of the people working at these businesses. But let's talk about reopening BC for business again. Got a couple of great guests for you. On the line, Terry Smith. She is the Executive Director of the Robson Street Business Association. Terry, thanks a lot for coming on. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Yeah, you, you bet. Also on the line is Muriel Protzer. She's a policy analyst with the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. They represent small business in Canada and in British Columbia. Hi, Muriel. Good morning, Mike. Thanks so much for having CFIB on. Thank you, Muriel. Terry, let me go to you first. What's happening on Robson Street today? Is a lot of stores opening up? Uh, well, in fact, actually, a number of stores on Robson opened up prior to the long weekend on Friday. So a lot of the retailers were never actually ordered to close. Right, um, right. So they opened up, uh, I think we had about a handful of them on Friday and a few throughout the weekend. And we have a couple of restaurants opening this week as well. How's it going so far? Uh, it it was actually surprising. There was a number of lineups around Aritzia, wow. Zara. I've had a number of businesses contacting me about what we can do in terms of uh, finding some options for, for queuing and creating more space. How many stores on Robson Street are, are open, would you estimate? How many are, how many are closed? Uh, there's still quite a few that are closed. I would yeah. say we have about a dozen that are open right now. Okay. Do you expect more to open this week and in the weeks ahead? Absolutely. We've heard from a number of our businesses that are opening this week and also next week. What kind of health and safety protocols are being put in place in, in the businesses that are opening their doors again? Yeah, they're, they're definitely uh, putting in some enhanced protocols, uh, limiting the number of people in store and in the fitting rooms. There's enhanced uh, cleaning and sanitization uh, protocols. Uh, High-touch surfaces are being cleaned very frequently. There's hand sanitizer throughout the stores. Uh, Staff have the option of wearing masks. Um, I believe even Aritzia has a nurse on hand if needed. So there's, you know, some people are going above and beyond and, you know, really trying to get that consumer confidence up. All right, it's Terry Smith. She's with the Robson Street Businesses Association. Muriel Protzel, Canadian Federation of Independent Business. Muriel, what's it like for small businesses in British Columbia on this day, on uh, day one of the phase two of reopening the economy? Today is a happy day for businesses right now. Uh, We've been waiting for phase two 
Um, pretty much since the pandemic started, we've wanted to get to a point where we could see the economy reopening. And that's what we are seeing today. I think there's a lot of optimism around small business right now in terms of getting their doors open, being able to see those sales again and getting their employees back working um, and just being able to see that is really encouraging today. I've already seen online a number of uh, small businesses across Vancouver, across British Columbia that uh, were ready to get their doors open over the weekend and now are able to do so today. Oh, it's nice to hear something like that for a change. My goodness, this has been such a difficult struggle we've all been through. And to start to see a little glimmer of hope here, it, it's encouraging. Muriel, for, for people for people who are running small businesses, very strict operating rules in place, though, right? So how difficult is it for businesses to meet these guidelines? Yeah, so WorkSafe BC has put out some industry-specific guidelines uh, for businesses to follow. I've navigated them myself, and while uh, you do need to be careful in terms of wording and understanding that you are interpreting them correctly, um, what my organization, CFIB, has done, has done a lot of the heavy lifting here, actually. What we've put together is an operational plan template. Um, so what is happening in BC is that under WorkSafe, you need to have this plan in place. Every business in British Columbia needs to make sure they have a plan that outlines, okay, what uh, steps have we taken to in, uh, uh, increase sanitation, protect our customers, protect our employees, and how are we communicating that with our employees and making sure they're kept up to date and uh, safety measures are in place and we can not only feel safe but actually, uh, uh, actually are safe. And so CFIB, we've done the heavy lifting. We've put together a template for uh, small businesses to use uh, to make sure they're asking the right questions, checking the right boxes. We've even included the posters you can put around your business. Uh, So any small business who wants to access that, you can reach out to us. We're happy to supply it. Okay. Is that all up on your website? That is cfib.ca slash COVID-19. You can find it there. Um, If you're having any difficulty for whatever reason, we've got a phone number there to our business resources line. Give it a call. We'll make sure it gets in your hands. Okay, Terry Smith, a lot of this gets down to obviously protecting the health of workers and also customers as well. A lot of it's about consumer confidence too, right? Like people have got to feel that they're going to be safe if they go into a salon or a shop or a restaurant that they are going to be safe and that these rules are going to be effective. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that, about how making sure that consumers are confident going into a place of business? Absolutely. It's, there's a lot of challenges ahead. Um, a lot of people uh, are, you know, not, not quite confident yet to go back into to public spaces or to dine in restaurants or shop in stores. So businesses have to be very clear in their communication to their customers about what it is that they have implemented to enhance the health and safety of not only their employees, but for, for the customers coming in. So I think it's really going to come down to that. We have a wide spectrum of people. Some are really ready to get out there and, you know, resume some semblance of normalcy. And then there are the others that are still, you know, Taking things slow, being a bit more cautious. Yeah. And, and so those are the, the people that really need that extra sort of information to really know that it's, it's okay to go back out there. And right. And speaking of that, I mean, this, these are challenging sets of guidelines and rules that officials have laid down for opening these businesses again. And what are you hearing from businesses on Robson Street as they try to get their doors open again? Are they, are business owners getting enough information, Terry, would you say to, to confidently reopen and make sure they're following all these guidelines? 
I think that, I, I mean, we haven't heard too much yet from our businesses about um, reopening and, and the, the guidelines that were set forth. I think there was a lot of not certainty around what these guidelines were going to look like when the yeah. announcement came out from our premier. Um, it didn't follow too quickly with those guidelines um, through WorkSafe BC. I just started seeing them last week. Right. So I think a lot of our retailers um, and our businesses had to take it upon themselves. I know the restaurants were working with um, the BC Restaurant and Food Association. I know uh, Retail Council of Canada had a lot of um, great guidelines and playbooks for, for retailers to follow. So there were other resources out there that I think um, really helped get that first stage going. Um, but yeah. again, we represent a lot of sort of larger um, national international retailers and brands on our street versus um, small businesses so i can yeah. see there would be you know more challenges that lay ahead for some of the small businesses for sure muriel protzer from canadian federation of independent business you guys represent the the small businesses in canada muriel and what are you hearing from businesses in terms of the clarity of these guidelines and the rules i, I think it's it's awesome to hear that a lot of businesses are enthusiastic and they're opening their doors again today that that's fantastic but are you also hearing from businesses who are confused or worried about how this is going to work absolutely communication is so key during these times and making sure that uh, any new orders any new measures uh, need to be clearly communicated with the business community and those work safe uh, industry specific guidelines we've been talking about we didn't actually get those until Friday afternoon. So yeah. Friday before a long weekend, that's not much time for a business right. owner to review these documents, follow them, talk to their employees, get a staff meeting and to make sure everyone's on the same page. Um, so while it was unfortunate to see a really tight uh, timeline on that, uh, we can take this and learn from it. And as we approach eventually phase three, which could be as soon as two to four weeks after uh, phase two, which started today, that we learn from this lesson and make sure that things are communicated very quickly, efficiently, and clearly to business owners going forward. All right. Welcome back. Let's talk about getting a traffic ticket in BC. BC traffic court is shut down right now, but it is getting set to reopen again. How is that going to work with the social distancing rules in place? Let's check in now with Kyla Lee. She's a preeminent traffic lawyer. She's with the Acumen Law Group. I'm very pleased to welcome her back to the show. Hi, Kyla. Hi, thank you for having me. Thanks thanks for doing this. Are people still getting traffic tickets out there with so much uh, with the traffic reduced on the road? Are people putting their foot down and speeding, getting traffic tickets? Oh, yeah. I think uh, the number of tickets that are being issued is up. Police have ramped oh. up uh, speeding enforcement throughout the lower mainland, um, oh. and they've been issuing tons of speeding tickets lately. Okay. Um, why are they doing that? I mean, with less traffic on the road, are people more tempted to put the hammer down? People are more tempted to speed with less traffic. It just makes it easier because we have roads that are designed for high volume. And when there's not high volume, it's just really easy to sort of lose track of how fast you're going. It's also easier for them to enforce because without as much traffic, they can set up in areas where they wouldn't ordinarily be able to set up due to the volume of traffic. So you see them, you know, um, lately on a lot of the bridges. Okay. All right. Is that good for your business? <laughs> yes, in the future it will be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get people calling you saying like, "Hey, I got a traffic ticket. Is it worth? Is it worth fighting a ticket?" Yep, at this point, all day, every day, and it's definitely worth fighting it because the consequences are more than just the fine. Okay, what are the consequences if you get a speeding ticket? Say, 
For a regular speeding ticket, you're looking at three points on your record. And if you've had any other tickets, that'll trigger a driver penalty point premium. If you have your N, it can put you at risk of losing your license. Or if you've got a really bad record and you don't have your N, you can still lose your license on the basis of the speeding ticket. Okay. So how much did it cost you overall? For one uh, regular speeding ticket, the minimum fine is $138. Excessive speeding, you're looking at $368 minimum, plus a $320 a year risk premium for three years, so well over $1,000. Okay, so it does add up. So therefore, if if people can fight a ticket, I mean, how often can you beat the rap on a speeding ticket, though? They (laughs) they usually got you red-handed? There's often ways to call into question the reliability of the radar or laser reading. There's a lot of requirements that the officers have to comply with in operating the device, getting the reading, making an estimation, and verifying the accuracy of it. And if those aren't well documented or they weren't followed, there's good defenses to the ticket. Okay, what, what's your success rate? Are you, are, are you able to <laughs> disclose that? I can't give a percentage, but very high. <laughs> very high, okay, very high. all right, all right. Um, Let's talk about traffic court. And this is something that you alerted me to, that BC traffic court is currently shut down. Is it shut down right now? Yeah, it's shut down, and they've announced the shutdown until May 29th. So as of right now, everybody's operating on the assumption that we're back June 1st. That could change, but right now we have no other information other than May 29th is the last day that tickets are being adjourned for COVID. Okay, so right now, if you dispute a ticket, and traffic court is shut down, what happens to the tickets? Does it just get tossed out? No, it just gets adjourned. So all of the tickets that have been scheduled have been adjourned to a date to be set in the future. The turnaround time for a traffic court date from when you get your ticket and file it in dispute is about eight months. So everybody getting a ticket right now is not going to court anytime soon. Right, so it could be longer than eight months. Yeah, with the the delays as a result of the pandemic, probably the tickets are going to be pushed into the 12-month mark. Okay. Is there an undue delay defense? Like, Can you argue that the ticket should be thrown out because of delays in getting in front of a judge? If your ticket was delayed more than 18 months, you might be able to make that argument. Or if you suffered prejudice or there were some type of exceptional circumstances that required your ticket to be adjudicated sooner, you could make that argument at less than 18 months. But with a pandemic, you probably wouldn't succeed if that was the reason for the delay. All right, speaking to Kyla Lee from the Acumen Law Group. All right, Kyla, what about when court does begin again? When did they say traffic court is set to reopen? As of right now, we know that June 1st is scheduled to go ahead. That may change. I, you know, We haven't heard yet officially from the court, but as of right now, everybody's preparing to be there for June 1st. How is that going to work with social distancing <laughs> rules? This is a good question, and and this is the problem. The court has given no information to the public about whether they're going to be ready to go on June 1st, and if they are, what measures are being put in place to protect social distancing, whether there's going to be multiple courtrooms running that aren't ordinarily traffic courtrooms so people are spread out, whether it's going to be moved to a bigger, larger courtroom, whether a bunch of tickets are going to be adjourned and some are going to move forward. We know nothing. And that's scary for a lot of people who are now 10 days away from their traffic court date. Okay, what is it typically like, like before the dark times and before this pandemic, when you went to dispute a ticket for a client in traffic court, what's it like in there? Are people kind of, is it a small room? Are people pretty close to each other? 
Yeah, they're scheduled in very small courtrooms. They're designed sort of specifically for traffic courts. So you often have standing room only, people standing shoulder to shoulder, numerous officers, 25, 30 people in one room at a time, which is not going to work. (laughs) Right. Yeah, no, that's not going to work. What Could they do it online? Could they do it sort of whether over uh, Skype or some other sort of app? They could do that in theory. The difficulty that they have is that the courts aren't currently equipped with the technology to actually make that happen. And the timeline between now and June 1st is too short to give people notice of the fact that it's going to be taking place as of June 1st. So if that's going to happen, it's going to have to be after June 1st, and they're going to have to push push the shutdown of traffic court even further into the future. Okay, what are you advising your clients on this now? Well, right now, um, I'm advising them that if we are up and running um, as of the beginning of June, not to attend court, to have their lawyer uh, attend on their behalf. You don't need to be there. Um, If there's a reason that they need to attend to testify in their trial or to provide evidence of some sort, um, we would be seeking an adjournment to allow that to happen at a time where social distancing measures are properly put in place and announced to the public. Um, And if you're concerned, contact me, because if you have a lawyer, you don't need to go to the courthouse and you don't need to expose yourself to that risk. Okay, when you were mentioning about the, you know, all the consequences of, of a speeding ticket, the, the fine from the ticket, and then the impact on your insurance and, and the penalty points, is it cheaper to hire someone like yourself, like to hire a lawyer and, and to fight the thing, or is it cheaper to just pay the ticket? In many instances, it's cheaper to hire a lawyer. If you're a very experienced driver, you've had your license for 20 years and you get your very first speeding ticket ever, and it's just a regular, you know, 10 kilometers an hour over the speed limit ticket, it's probably not worth it to hire me. I'll be honest about that. But if you, you know, if you need to keep a clean driving record, if you've got a bad record already, or if you have your N, it's worth it because of the risks that you're facing of losing your license and the consequent expense associated with that. What about, okay, let's say someone is thinking, this ticket's unfair and, and I want to fight it. Maybe they think like I wasn't going as fast as the officer said, or I have suspicions about the, the radar device used to, to track my speed. Are there any kind of warning signs or indicators that a driver might have to think to themselves, hmm, maybe I should, maybe I should fight this? Well, I mean, if the officer hasn't given you good information at the roadside about, you know, how fast you were going, I get lots of people who call me who say the officer said that they just visually estimated my speed or they refused to show me the radar or uh, he said he was pacing me. In those circumstances, there's a lot of room for doubt about the reliability of the officer's determination of the speed. Um, And so those kind of alert my spidey senses. Okay, when you say pacing me, that's like, what, an officer following you in a police cruiser and looking at his own speedometer? Exactly, and uh, And then you have to question, you know, when was the speedometer calibrated? Was it reflective of of the actual speed that a person was going? Did he speed up to catch you? (laughs) Okay, now is that uh, that admissible in court? Like, if a police officer stands up in traffic court and says, well, I I was pacing this person, I was following them at the same speed, and I looked at my speedometer, I saw I was going over the speed limit, does that stand up in court? It can stand up in court um, if it goes unchallenged or if it's not successfully challenged, which is why it's you know important to do a lot of research if you're going to be running a defense in a speeding ticket to the me- method that the officer used to measure your speed and the types of ways that are available to challenge that. Okay, what about visual? When you say someone was a, a visual, what is that? What is that? Are you estimating? Yeah. You look like you were speeding? 
Police get trained in how to estimate the speeds of vehicles, but the training is really bad. Um, They stand on the side of a single road for a couple hours in an afternoon, and they watch vehicles on that road go by. They average out what the speeds were that they estimated compared to the actual speeds as measured on a radar and determine an error factor. And, and And that conceivably stands up in court as well. Even like 15 years after they got the training, yes. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. But first up, let's talk about opening up BC's economy again. Today is day one of phase two of the Restart BC plan. And a lot of businesses that were shut down are opening their doors starting again today, including hair salons and barber shops. And in this half hour, we're going to talk to some of the salons and and barbers that are opening their doors again Today, I got a couple of them on the line right now. Dean Moore is on the line from Michaud's Salon and Spa. Is that how you pronounce that, Dean? Michaud's? You did very well with that. You did very well. Okay. And Michaud's Salon. And also, do you own Harry and Sons Barbershop? Yes, we do. Yeah, right oh, next nice. door to our salon. Where are you guys located? Uh, downtown Cloverdale in Surrey. Very nice. And you guys open your doors today? We did, yes. Okay, that's exciting, Dean. Also on the line is Angela Anderson. She is the owner of, I'm going to make sure I pronounce this one right, too. Is it Stark Hair Salon, Angela? It's Stark Hair, actually, St- yeah. Stark, okay. Okay, yeah. Stark Hair Salon, and you're located in Victoria, right? Yes, right downtown. Okay, and are you open today, too? You betcha. We opened at 10 a.m. Wow, this is amazing. Okay, Dean, let me go to you first. What's business like at Michaud Salon today? Uh, crazy busy. Uh, last week, we had pre-booked 1,000 clients. Um, last wow. week into this week and 175 so far this morning so people want this service holy smokes okay how does this work now you got a lot of business and a lot of people need a haircut and they need a cut and color how are you how are you running your salon here and keeping people safe we are a big place we're about 10,000 square feet um, our stations are already six feet apart, but we even still chose to only use every second station um, and have put in some tempered glass walls between some of the stations. And uh, we've done a staggered shift. We are 8 a.m. to 2.30 with one set of uh, stylists and barbers, and then from 3 o'clock till 9.30 with another set of barbers and stylists, just so everybody can kind of get their hours back. Okay, and do you, uh, are all your stylists wearing masks, or how is that Yes, working? we are. We're not happy about it. We are happy to do it, but it's uncomfortable, but it's the way of the world right now. Right. How about your clients? Do they have to wear a mask, too? They do, yeah. Uh, when we booked all the appointments, we requested um, everybody to bring their face mask. And I can tell you, last week, when we were about 600 people into booking, we had two people who said, oh, I don't have one. How am I going to do this? 
So people mm-hmm. out there in the public, they get it. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, that's, a, that's a lot of people ready to get back and get a haircut, even if they got yes. a mask on. Angela, tell me about uh, Stair Hair Salon today. What's going on there? We are pretty much the opposite of, is it Misha? Is that how it is? Are you saying Misha's. 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 Um, we are just under 400 square feet, and it's just me and one other stylist. So um, we just have our own clients to book, and uh, husband spending lots of time prepping the salon for taking everybody. We have three stations at least six feet apart and uh, are really lucky that we've been able to spend the time to do this. And uh, we're all wearing masks. Our clients are wearing masks. They have no problem with that. Uh, We have all the WCB regulations posted outside. We've posted our own regulations outside as per WCB protocol. And, uh, you know, it was a little stressful coming in this morning, just making sure that we have everything right. Right, right. Okay, how's business, Angela? Are you getting people coming through the door today? The phone's ringing off the wall. We had to turn the <laughs> ringer off. <laughs> yeah, uh, everybody. You know, there's only two of us. To... We only have four hands, so it's just not oh, enough my. for... And yeah. a lot of businesses aren't open yet, right? So, um, you know, we're really lucky that we are small enough that we could prepare because I know a lot of people didn't have time. So, I mean, Misho, you guys are great that you could... Uh, pull this off in such a short amount of time. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. Everybody, everybody needs a haircut. Now, now Dean, for uh, for the way that you guys are operating there at Michaud's Hair Salon, um, you got them. Everybody's masked up, so your employees yeah. have got masks. Your customers have got masks. What about? Um, are there any other rules? What are the kind of the other major rules that you got to follow there? Um, cleaning is the other one. Um, yeah. Like cleaning utensils or like tools between. Um, clients cleaning the surfaces like the station, the chairs, um, on the front desk, we have like protocol of like cleaning, uh, the interact machines and the desk after every client, um, just increased everything, um, as to how you look after your clients. I think over the last eight weeks, we all kind of learned this. So opening up today, it was kind of like, I already kind of know what I'm supposed to do because I've already seen it in out in the community. Right. And what are people saying to you when they come in the door? They're happy that you're open again? They're just bloody happy to get a haircut and get some color again. So we've, yeah. we've seen some frightful dues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I bet you're seeing some scary hair dues coming, coming through there. Angela, what are your uh, customers and and also your staff or your coworkers telling you? Um, they're all so excited to get back to work, and clients yeah. are so excited to get back to work. I would say maybe maybe fifteen percent of clients are really apprehensive and are going to wait and just see how it goes. But most right. of them are just like beat, pounding down the door, essentially, you know. And everybody's so happy to be back to work. Right. And can you offer a full range of services that you did before, or can you still do like shampooing, blow drying, that kind of stuff? We're doing all the normal services, but, you know, I'm doing mine slightly reduced. Like, normally I do huge colored jobs that are, you know, four-plus four hours, and I've cut them all down to two-and-a-half right now just to get everybody started. Okay, Dean, how about you guys? Have you, have you uh, changed any of the services you're offering we, at all? We did. Um, for this first week, we've chosen to not do any kind of blow-drying to kind of shorten the amount of time that uh, somebody's in the building. Uh, just kind of looking at maintenance of a haircut and a color service. Uh, same thing in the barbershop, just haircuts, no beard trims, um, no shaves. And at this time, we've chosen to keep the spa closed for the next two weeks just to kind of like get a feel for what this looks like moving forward. Right. I was wondering about the beard trim. Like if you got a mask on, obviously it's yeah. kind of yeah. tough to trim a guy's <laughs> It's not going to be a good look. <laughs> no. 
No, okay. So the beards are going to continue to look a little shaggy, or maybe yeah. you have to do a trim, right? a trim at home. All yeah. right. Well, guys, good luck to you. Thank you for coming on, and I'm glad Thanks you guys so are open again. Let me give you a quick plug for your places again, Dean. So Michaud's Hair Salon and Harry and Sons Barber. Where are you located again? Uh, downtown Cloverdale, five six six nine five six seven nine one hundred and seventy sixth Street in Cloverdale. Okay, there you go. And Angela, where's Steric Hair Salon? Uh, we're right downtown Victoria on Johnson Street at 636 Johnson. All right, guys. Good luck. Thanks, Mike. Thanks so much. All right. Welcome back. It's day one of phase two of the BC restart plan. A lot of businesses opening today that were previously shut down, including, of course, barber shops and hair salons. So let's continue to talk to some of the salons that are opening their doors today. Talia LaPointe is on the line. She is the owner of Browse on Point Salon. Hi, Talia. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thanks a lot for doing this. Where are you guys located? Um, so we're, I'm in Mission, and I have another location in Pitt Meadows. Okay, cool. Also on the line is Bruce Peters. He's the owner of the, is it the Zazu Salon, Bruce? That's correct, yes. Zazu, where are you guys located? North Vancouver. North Van. Okay, Talia, let me go to you first. You're in, where did you say you are? Mission? I'm in Mission, yeah. Mission, okay. Tell me about Browse on Point Salon. So we are uh, mostly cosmetic tattooing, microblading. Uh, we do lash lifts and other beauty services like that. Uh, we have been closed, uh, like most people, since March and uh, very cautiously, optimistically opening as of today. Okay, how's it going so far today? So far is good. We've decided not to book clients coming in today, but just to have a go-through of all of our new policies to make sure that there's no hiccups and everything's running as smooth as possibly when we decide to open our doors to our clientele. Right, right. What are some of the major uh, uh, protocols you put in place there? Well, fortunately for us, because we are doing cosmetic tattooing, um, we already have very strict uh, guidelines in place. So we're used to wearing masks, gloves, uh sanitization, sterilization. So our changes were minimal, more of an expansion of what we were doing, a little bit more documentation, and a little bit uh, of more pre-screening of our clients before they come to our doors. Okay, what is, what is cause, uh, cosmetic tattooing? Is that, is that different uh, from regular tattooing? You would probably uh, maybe have heard of microblading. So it's yeah. very common, uh, like a, tempor- or a semi-permanent eyebrow tattoo. We also do things like lip tattooing, things like that, Um, a lot of eyeliner, things like that are offered for cosmetic tattooing. Okay, obviously, you mentioned that you guys were already taking precautions even before this pandemic hit, right, to keep people safe? Absolutely. Yes, Uh, in our industry, that is, you know, the most important thing, our blood-borne pathogens, being aware of transmission of illness and how things can be spread easily in an environment that we're working in. So we're already uh, well-versed in using all of the products that are being um, recommended and, you know, how to take off our PPE properly, things like that. Yeah. How many people you got working for you there? So I work one-on-one with my clientele, and then I have a partner that works in Pitt Meadows one-on-one. So we always have one person uh, and one client at a time. Right. What's it been like for your business being shut down? It's pretty tough, huh? Well, it's been it's been really hard. So it's yeah. been about eight weeks where we've gone from uh, I'm usually booked out six to eight weeks in advance, having to cancel everybody and then trying to get everybody in uh, once we are okay to open has uh, been a bit of a headache. But we're excited to be able to offer the services once more. 
Yeah, I bet. Let's. Uh, Bruce Peters also on the line. Zazu Hair Salon in North Vancouver. Bruce, what's it like there at your salon today? Um, we're taking kind of the same approach. We're doing a soft opening today, so we have our our team coming in. We're we're doing a hair party, so all our team gets to look pretty first, and then we have <laughs> clients coming in that are booking appointments, and um, so champagnes and beers and new protocols. How we're rolling out our protocols is the team comfortable with it? Anything to kind of ease the the nervousness and the anxiousness of our team. So we're just kind of a, a soft launch. And tomorrow is our day where we're open, we're open full. Well, what, not full. What kind, of, what kind of new sort of safety protocols and procedures have you put in place there? So uh, same thing. We are all masked and yeah. uh, we have no one's allowed to wait in our waiting room. I think that's our biggest thing because when you first come to Zezu, you we have a big waiting room, a big retail area. So no one's allowed to touch retail. You have to wait outside for your appointment. We'll phone you or text you before you can come in, which is going to be a strange process for us. And we're going to see how that works. So uh, that's going to be interesting. No talking in the shampoo basin. We're going to try and keep talking to a minimal. So guests have to wear masks. We have to wear masks as the service providers. And I mean, coloring or cutting hair (laughs) with a mask on is going to be challenging at best. So we're going to see how that goes. Okay, how are you going to do that? Um, well, we're going to... Very very carefully, I imagine. Yes, very carefully. We're going to actually tie... So normally the masks go around the ear, so we're going to yeah. try and tie them around the back of the neck as, a, as an alternative, or we'll just have to get the guests to hold when we're cutting in those... In cutting or coloring in those certain areas. Oh, man. These are strange, these are strange days, i got to tell you. Um, Bruce, how many people you got working there at your salon? Uh, there's just over 50. Wow! Holy smokes, that's a lot. Have you have you lost any employees? Uh, two as of yesterday. So one guy has, was having some shoulder back problems, and I think it was just a catalyst for his uh, his departure. And then Fong, lovely Fong, she's an amazing, talented, talented lady. She and her husband are moving to the states. With um, he's got some work down there, so they, their visas got approved. Okay, what are your what are your employees telling you? Like, are any of them nervous, worried about going back to work? Oh, yeah, 100%. So we had, um, we've been communicating with them on a regular basis, free, uh, just up until this point. And so we had our team meeting, a virtual team meeting on Friday. And I know there was a lot of anxiousness coming in. And by the end of the team meeting, we had a PowerPoint presentation, we had a three-hour meeting, and kind of just talked about everything to the, to the finest detail. And by the end of it, everyone, we went around in the team meeting, and everyone was uh, very relieved and, and actually quite excited to get back to work. Yeah, but Talia. Nervousness. Yeah, I bet they are. Talia, for for your salon, you guys do kind of a more unique sort of service there with your cosmetic tattooing and stuff and uh, microblading. Uh, for you and your partner and your and your customers there, what's it what's it like for for you guys? Is it kind of a nervous time? It is a little bit nervous. Um, the unknown. So yeah. we have all of our policies in place. We're ready to go, but of course things are changing so quickly. We're afraid that maybe we'll have an opening and then we'll be forced to close down again. So I think that's where the nervousness comes from. Um, okay. I'm, yeah. Okay. Where are you located again, Talia? Give me in a Mission. quick shout out. Okay. What's your address there? It's I'm on Third Avenue in Mission. Okay, Bruce. How about you? Where is where is Zazu Salon located? What's your address? Three zero three three Mountain Highway in Lynn Valley. Thank you guys for coming on. Good luck to both of you. Thank, Thank you. you so much.